0: Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Let's appreciate the worship team. Is that how you appreciate your worship team? Come on, clap those hands. Amen. The book of Romans chapter 8, thank you so much for singing for me, Romans chapter 8, I've never seen a church that grows so fast like this church, my goodness, what a church, which you came to this morning, oh good Lord, is that how you celebrate what God is doing in Rivers Church, or you don't like growth, my clap those hands. I'm so shocked at what God is doing. You know, two weeks ago, Pastor Lovey and I went to Westlands to benchmark on the building that we must now build at Forever's Church. I don't know where you benchmark. So we went to Westlands and Pastor Lovey was telling me this is this is the type of building we need. And I looked at him and it looked like he looked like he means business. The problem is that in that building, uh, Quickmat was in there. And I said, I wish you benchmark with Car 4, <laughs> Romans chapter 8. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very high likelihood that you can buy um, KFC potatoes in Car 4. I don't know about Quickmart <laughs> okay. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. Celebrate man of God, Pastor Lovey. I love him so much. <laughs> you know, when you're going to war, you need men. Amen. There are people you need. I remember we, we were in an accident some time back. And, and the car was skidding. <laughs> and we had completely lost control. And the car was going round and tumbling. It didn't go round, but it was almost going round. And I closed my eyes to transition. Yeah. But first, I, then I was not seeing anything. Yeah. Then I looked at Pasalovi. <laughs> and Pasalovi was looking like he's watching vampires die. He's very calm. Then he told me not today. (laughs) Here we are. You blocked my transition to heaven, you man. (laughs) Romans chapter 8, we'll read verse 1 to verse 11. Let's go. Therefore, For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature to be a sin offering. But the man controlled by the spirit is life. It does not submit to God's law. Nor can it do so. Are controlled not by the sinful nature. But by the spirit. If the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Who lives in you. We have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. You will die, but if by the Spirit you will put death to the misdeeds of the body, you will live. As sons of God. Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again. Father, Father, we give you the praise for this Sunday morning because you are He that gathers men to yourselves. Thank you because even a brief encounter with your word transforms our lives forever. Thank you because your spirit is in this place. Thank you for the grace that availed salvation is in this place. The grace that teaches men to say no to sin is in this place. The grace that opens doors is in this place. Thank you for your love, O God, that searches us out, even when we are yet without strength. And Lord, as we take time to enter your word, we pray that, God, you shall give us illumination. Open the eyes of our understanding that we may be able to understand and know the things that you have for us. These things we pray in Jesus' precious name sit on your challenges praise the lord peter says that according as his divine power in the book of 1 peter chapter 2 peter chapter 3 chapter 1 verse 3 he says according as his divine power has already released unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness The infrastructure of heaven to move your life forward has already been released and is in your hands. God is saying that by his power, he has already released all that you need to move forward, all that you need to achieve the vision of God in your life, all that God has called you to do. He's saying, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto glory and to pertain and to virtue. The Greek writer there uses the word arit, which means activity. That God has not only called us to his glory, but he has also called us to godly activity. That there has to be activity in our lives. That the walk of faith is a walk of activity. says, all things that pertain unto life and godliness has been given unto us. Then he says, but be diligent. To add to your faith. Knowledge. And to add to knowledge. Virtue. And it continues. That if we are going to access the things that God has made available for us. We must embrace and desire and determine to grow. That we cannot remain where we were last year. God is saying that for you to move forward. You must grow. You must mature. The the open door of God can only be accessed with maturity. It doesn't matter what kind of a father I am. If I was to get a car today and gift it to your four-year-old son, it will not be a blessing, but it will be regarded as a hazard to him. Something that will be received with loud shouts of hallelujah, praise the Lord, and dancing. If it, given, if it be given to the person at a younger age, it is not regarded as blessing, but hazard the heir if he be a child. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. He deferred nothing from the slave. It says, though he be master of all, he is therefore put under tutors and governors until the appointed time. Your refusal to grow has caused you to be denied the doors of destiny. That if you're going to enter what God has for you this year, You must grow. Tell your neighbor you must grow. The charge to babies is milk. He says, "As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word of God, that in it he may grow." But the charge to sons is manifestation. Until you grow, you will not manifest. Praise the Lord. Our sermon title today is the Arena of Manifestation. If you are going to enter the destiny that God has for you, there is a challenge today morning that you begin to grow, that you set your mind to grow and increase in the things of God and increase on every side. God is raising a challenge in Rivers Church this morning that you determine in your mind that you must grow. It is here that Romans is written. Now, if you were to examine the Bible theologically, they say that there are four canonical Gospels and three of them are synoptic. And you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke as your synoptic Gospels because they follow the synopsis of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then you come to the book of John, which is regarded as the revelation of John because it does not necessarily follow follow historical events, but it illuminates the reality of heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ. Then you get into the book of Acts because anywhere Jesus is, the next thing to happen is activity. When Jesus visits you, there has to be, what shall we do? And the challenge of the 21st century church is more like what will the pastor do? What will the church do for me? When will you visit me? The devil is a liar. God help me this morning. And then we transition from the book of Acts and now enter the book of Romans because, in order for you to be effective in the kingdom of God, you have to put knowledge to your action. My goodness. That now, in order for me to enter the things of God, it is not just blind, mindless activity, but there is a revelation behind it. And the book of Romans now has been regarded as the summary of the testaments. In most theological circles, the book of Romans has been described as the distillation of the teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ gave it in synonyms and in metaphors and in pictures and images. But Paul explains it in plain language. That to enter into the mind of Christ, if you can just spend some time in the book of Romans, I can begin to see what God is saying. And Romans chapter 8 is particularly important because... It is the only place in the book of Romans where manifestation of sons is spoken about. But before you manifest, there is an intricate and there is a detailed thinking and process wherewith we must submit ourselves. But God, because of his grace, begins this process by saying in verse 1 that there is therefore now no condemnation. That before you start the race, God is saying, I want to guarantee you that there is a finishing in your bones. There is a finishing in your loins. He's saying that there is therefore now no condemnation. Three words. There is therefore now that this signifies a time frame. There are two kinds of people in the Bible. One is those in Christ and the others are the ones that are without, who are regarded as as goats in the Old Testament, the ones that are without. For those that are in Christ, judgment already happened. Condemnation is behind us. Condemnation is a legal word that determines or describes the result of a legal process. The other word used for no condemnation is basically a long sentence that says justification. That there was a court process that was determined and God the father sat in that court and there was the prosecutor and after the prosecution happened God said there is therefore now no condemnation now talks of today present continuous tense no talks of for all time that it was not a mistrial that will be opened again God is saying there is therefore now no condemnation that is important because it is difficult to enter the arena of manifestation while you still have to deal with your past. And sometimes, every time you begin to make to make progress and you take steps of faith and you're moving forward and you post on Facebook, finally victory because you're JKIA. Somebody says, "We know you. You're just passing by. You escorted somebody. It can't be you flying out." Sanbalat, go to hell. that you're trying to move forward and somebody DMs you and says, what happened to you? Nowadays, you're very godly. There is therefore now no condemnation. God knows that if you're going to run this race, you have to make peace with your past. And he's saying, before you could say yes to me, I already made provision. But God commends his love toward us. In this wise, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, that while we are yet sinners, as Jesus Christ died for our sin. There is therefore now, there, it says, therefore being justified. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, we have peace with God. God is not pursuing you. You're not running away from him. Romans chapter 5 verse 1, he says, that therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. One author said that it is not only the peace of God, but it is also the peace with God that God is no longer pursuing you. John said in John chapter 3, that those that have the son have life. In verse 36, he says, those that have not the son have the wrath of God on their head. And it is important because God is saying, I want you to come to my presence anytime you want. If you're going to grow in this life, take over the city Access to the presence of God is critical, and God is making your mind right by saying that I'm no longer pursuing you. Have you read that scripture that says the wicked runs when no man pursues him? Huh? Have you read that scripture? And sometimes when we lift up our hands in worship, San Balad says you look like a suspect because yesterday night something happened in your life that was the devil is a liar, there is therefore now no condemnation. The court, my goodness, the court process has already happened. The file has been closed. There is therefore now no condemnation. Now, there are three, there are four no's in the book of Romans chapter 8. The first one, no condemnation. The second one, no obligation. The third one, no frustration. He says, all things work together for the good and to them who are the called of God. And the fourth one, no separation. I love God. I, go, I love God's love. Hallelujah. You know, when we were looking at the announcements today and, and faith, God bless, God bless faith. You know, it says there's baby dedication. And if you have a baby and somebody said, does my girlfriend qualify? <laughs> because your love is intense. And every time you see baby, you see your wife. Okay, let's say it by faith. Every time you see a baby, you see your wife. When you hear the word Baby. Are there husbands in this house you used to call your wife baby, now you're calling them mama so and so? May Balat exit your WhatsApp group. I love God's love, my goodness. He says, he says, no condemnation, I'm not pursuing you. No obligation, don't relate with me with red lines. We don't have a God who we relate with with red lines. Do's and don'ts. Christianity is not about do's and don'ts, but a robust fellowship of men and a God that is loving. There is therefore now no condemnation. Silence that voice in your mind that you're not worthy of the love of God. Silence that mind if you're going to move forward begin to make peace with your past. There are things that happened in your past that are not of God but you are not your past. You are refused to be defined by your past. Refused to associate yourself with your past. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. That it is important to be in him. Then he says Who walk not after the flesh. Who walk not after the flesh. Christianity is indeed a walk. That there is a certain path that I must follow. You cannot talk about manifestation except you talk about the restrained life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way. Narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. There is a path that we must follow. And he says that it is a walk, that we are constantly making progress. It is not a quick dash. It is not a rush to finish. God is saying that as long as you are able to take steps forward every day, that there is a step towards your destiny, that there is a step towards the purposes of God. Sometimes somebody said that the whole of this week, you know, we've been fasting for seven days. I only fasted for one day. It's a step. Next week, try and fast for two three days. God is saying Christianity is a step. Are you taking steps towards the life of God? Are you taking steps toward the things that God has called you to do? Are you taking steps? Purpose is really a bundle of visions accomplished at a specific time. And sometimes in your life, you find yourself at a place where you feel you should be farther than you are. And you feel you should be doing more than you're doing right now. Take the steps. It is just a walk. It is just a walk. And that is important because it gives me peace. I'm able to have peace at night. I'm able to have peace during the day because I know that this is a walk. Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. One author said that to be in Christ is to walk after the The Spirit, it means then that you are not walking before the Spirit and constantly, once in a while, inquiring with the Holy Ghost, Father, is this the right way? But instead perceiving the way that the Holy Ghost has already walked. When somebody says that class 4 comes after class 3, what it means then is that before you access class 4, you must pass through class 3. So in your life, if somebody was to observe your life, before they see you, they must see the Holy Spirit. Are you able to trace the steps of the Holy Ghost in the business that you chose? Are you able to trace the steps of the Holy Spirit in the, in the family that you're building? Are you able to trace the steps of the Holy Spirit in the country that you want to relocate to? Are you able to trace the steps of the Holy Spirit that there is a call to us, to be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. That how we make decisions. We make decisions by just observing where the Spirit is. Just who walk after the Spirit. They don't go before the Spirit. They come after the Spirit. Somebody says, commit your plans unto God. Commit your plans unto God. That was Solomon saying in Proverbs chapter 19 verse 20. Many are, the heart, many are the plans in the heart of a man, but the purpose of the Lord, that shall stand. But the New Testament reality, God is saying, before you put down even one word of your plan, first follow, discern. Where is the Spirit of God moving? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. There are two laws here that one is the law of the Spirit in Christ. And the second law is the law of sin and death. But if you look at the principle of priority, he says, for the law of spirit of life in Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Meaning there is one law that is superior to the other. Now for the sake of clarity, because we are Bible students, the word law here is not the word Torah. At the first instance. But is the word power or principle. So if you are to read that differently. It says for the power. And principle. Of the spirit of life. In Jesus Christ. Has made me free. From the power. And principle of death. Now remember in Romans chapter 7. Paul spends. In Romans chapter 6. He talks about the old man. In Romans chapter 7. He talks about the law of God. And he says, oh, wretched man that I am, because that which I desire to do, I do not. And that which I I desire not to do, that I do. And he says, the reason is that there is a law in my life. And that law, that power and principle of sin and death has now been replaced by the law or the principle of power of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ. Let me explain this for a minute. When you take off with a plane, does it mean that the gravity ceased? Come on, somebody, talk to me. When you take off with a plane, there is a law called the law of gravity that resists any upward movement. It doesn't matter what you do, whatever you throw will always come down. If I jumped out of this pulpit, no matter how anointed I am, and in as much as I would like to, Im- to impress you by preaching levitating, That would be very cool. The law of gravity will not allow me. The the law of gravity will get in the way of my desires and remind me of the power and principle of gravity. But when I sit on the plane, and now we are sat on the plane. Have you ever seen these guys who, when you sit on the plane with them, they behave as if they're the ones who know everything. And they tell you, you know, put your seatbelt. And they tell you now, here's the safety card. I'm like, bro, man, chill. You know, and now you're seated and you are about to taxi. And the pilot says, fasten your seatbelts. And you know, if you've never flown before, you can think that they are they are joking. You can think this is the, the pilot is not serious. And then the plane begins to move. And at that point, you can say, Gravity is so strong. And the plane continues moving, Pastor Kevin. And the plane con- and a moment reaches where gravity has no hold on the plane. Because the law of aerodynamics has punched the law of gravity in the face. Okay. The law, you don't like that. The law of of aerodynamics has exceeded the strength of the law of gravity. Now, let me ask you a question. Where was the law of aerodynamics when the plane was stationary? It was there the whole time when the pilot engaged and made a demand on the law of aerodynamics, then the plane of necessity must take off. The law of sin and death is defeated by the law of the power of spirit and life in our Lord Jesus Christ. God is not calling us to pretend that sin does not exist. God is not calling us to pretend that we do not have weaknesses. God is not calling us to pretend. We know right now if I told, if we'd come up with a device that can check your browser history as you enter church, all of a sudden we will say we bought a very big tent. But God is saying the law, the law of spirit and life hath made me free from the law of sin and death. To break addiction this morning. You do not require a lot of laying on of hands and prayers. Engage the higher law. Of the spirit. Now the Hebrew writer, now in the, in, the, in the Greek word, in the Greek text, there are no capital letters. It's all small letters. Now you have to really be discerning to know which spirit is this. And one author says, this must be the Holy Spirit because the kind of strength that the law of sin and death holds on the mortal man cannot be broken by efforts. And that is why somebody said, I have fasted 21 days, but I have a foul tongue. Every time I want to talk to my husband, I just say, you are such a f- felicious man. <laughs> and there's a foul tongue that won't, leave, won't let you be. And you're about to penetrate corporate ladders. But there's a laziness that abides in your flesh. God said the law of of spirit, the power and principle of the spirit of life in Christ. There's power in the spirit of God. Remember what Isaiah said? That the anointing breaks every yoke. The anointing breaks every yoke. There's nothing difficult in the eyes of God. If you're going to penetrate and manifest this year, you must begin to access and engage the power of the Spirit. Praise the Lord. It says, That law has made me free. That after, once I know, number one, no condemnation. Once I know that God has blessed me and is all pursuing me, the second thing is that I am liberated, that I am walking in freedom. That's important. He says, stand fast therefore, is that Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Once that freedom enters your mind, God is saying, I want you now to enforce it in your life. He says, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. That when I look into my life, God has given me the freedom. He has given me the liberty. He has given me the power to break and torment every challenge in my life. The only enemy that is in my life today is an enemy I've embraced. That is the power of sonship. That it is going to be in my life until the day I say enough. And I can sense in this house that there are 1,000 people saying enough. Not anymore. This is the last time this is happening in my life. Can you have that resolve? And this is a challenging class. Because it calls you. To divorce an enemy you have married. One preacher said. That it is very difficult to cast out a demon you slept with. I know you heard me. He says for the law of spirit. Of life, of life in Christ Jesus. Hath made me free. From the law of sin and death. Now look at this, verse 3. In verse 3 he says, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now wait a minute. If you're a good Bible student, you'll begin to ask yourself some pertinent questions. Why could God's holy law be regarded as the law of sin and death number 2 what do you mean paul that the law what the law could not do are you effectively saying that god can do a matter that he does not achieve but if you study that a bit more carefully you begin to see now the word law here is the Hebrew, is the greek word torah which talks about now the law of Moses and he says what the law could not do because it was made weak by the flesh that the law in and of itself was perfect but the impotency of the law was occasioned by the weakness of man that through the law there was a desire for grace and through grace there was a desire for law that grace is made available that we may accomplish that which God is saying and on one dimension now, he talks about that this law was not, was not able to do it because it was weak through the flesh. That the flesh of man, the weakness that is in man, the wickedness that is in man, the propensity to pursue your own desires and the propensity to pursue your own, should I say comforts, and the, the propensity to pursue your own ambition overshadowed. The will of God. And God now decides and says God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Condemned sin in the flesh. Very important here to notice number one. That God sending his own son. One of the thoughts that are clear here is that God, in fact and indeed, had an existence together with His Son, that Jesus Christ was there before sin ever became. And scripture talks in one, is it John chapter 1, verse 1 that in the beginning was God, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The the, The same was with Him in the beginning, and He says that His life was the light of men. That Jesus Christ was indeed before God. He talks about Trinitarianism, that it took a God solution to bring you to the other side. But most important is this that the Son came in likeness of sinful flesh three things he did not come in the likeness of flesh and the reason is because his fleshness was real it was not likeness of flesh but it was the reality of the flesh remember hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 he said that we have not an high priest that is far from us but an high priest that is able to empathize with us because he being tempted in every way. So when Jesus came, he did not only come as the likeness of flesh, but he also came in the likeness of sinless man that his existence was without sin. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Verse 21, he hath made him to be sin for us, him who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. That the two realities had to be displayed now. That Jesus Christ did not only come in the likeness of man, but he also came in the likeness of sinless flesh. And this is important shortly. That the righteousness, look at that, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That the reason why I am free, the reason why there is no condemnation is because there was a work from heaven. Now observe here. He says that, and, he, and, and God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Remember, we have a problem that the law could not achieve this. Now God sends his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Tell your neighbor, and for sin the keen Bible scholar will tell you there that that's a name of a sacrifice. Because according to the Levitical priesthood in Leviticus chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, there were five types of sins offering, sin offering. There's one here that you'll recommend to your wife shortly. Number one, the first type of offering was the burnt offering, which was an offering of devotion to God. An offering that said, God, you are God. Above you there is none other It is called the Ola offering in the Hebrew or the ascent offering. The second type of offering that the priest would give every year was the grain offering which is thanksgiving to God's providence, thanking him for providing in the fields and allowing you to have a bumper harvest. The third third type of offering was an offering called the Shelem, or the peace offering. This is the offering that men, before they went to war, they would go and offer unto God, a peace offering. And they would celebrate and say, Thank God, because we are now receiving peace. The the, The fourth type of offering was the guilt offering. This happened when you wronged your neighbor and there was strife between neighbors and they needed to resolve. You would come with a guilt offering. But the fifth now was a sin offering, which he's talking about here. He's saying, and for sin. Now, the interesting thing about the sin offering is that that was the offering. Remember, there was burnt offering. We unclear somebody. Burnt offering was for general sin. The sin offering was for unwilling sin that which i do not want to do that i do and that which i do not that which i desire to do that i do not and jesus says that he was a specific type of offering he was the sin offering he said that god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin And for sin. We have a God who knows how to pursue you. He says that I am very accurate. Somebody said, you know, there's a guy who was uh, in this. was Was it a type of commotion? And they were riding in a train. And the train went into a roll. And he came out and said, man. Man, I was just about to die. But it looked like God missed this time. You know. And the thought that is coming here is that we have a God who does not miss. That he is so clear and he is so careful when it comes to your life that he says that Jesus Christ has been poured out as an offering. But not just any offering. He's been poured out as the sin offering. And then what happens? He condemns sin in the flesh. Substitution that he came and replaced and took my place. And this is important because you can begin to see now, in order for us to be justified, the demands of justice had to be fulfilled. And they were fulfilled in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look at this. That for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, Tell your neighbor God. God. God sending his own son. When it comes to destiny, that that excites me. When it comes to destiny and manifestation, there is no delegation. It is not angels that were sent. He did not orchestrate something to happen for your salvation. But God moved himself. It is here that one author says that the work of salvation is all of God and none of us. It is here that we begin to see that in fact and indeed the grace of God has appeared unto all men. And it is the work of God. Now look at the next verse here. This is interesting now. It begins to get deeper because he says, For they, he says that the righteousness of the law may be fulfilled in us. And I need to slow down now. Because he says that the flesh rendered the law impotent. Now, what was the demand? What was the requirement? This is very important. This is very important and this is the urgent message to the church today. The requirement was just obedience. Or obedience to the demands, the just demands of God. And God said, uh, this is very critical. Now, God said that because it is very important that you walk in obedience, because it is very important that you come into manifestation, because it is very important that you walk into the path that I've set before you and you're unable, I will therefore send my son. And then my son now will remove the demands of justice. And then what happens next now is that the righteousness of the law will be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That the righteousness of the law. So what happened then is that for the work of sanctification, which is our process to becoming better and better, becoming, moving forward, improving our lives, being conforming, conforming to the image of God. Remember Romans chapter 8, is it verse 29 that talks about, for him he, he did for no him he also predestinated to be conformed to the image, to be conformed to the image. That is a molding, that there is a molding in Christ. He's saying for that to happen, and for us to walk in obedience, something happened. That by grace, we accessed sanctification. But by his spirit, we access obedience. And if there's something that you must do this year, is to walk an obedient life. We are not them that live as people without law, but we are them that live under certain bounds. He says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now let me explain something here. That there are two kinds of walk. There are those that walk after the flesh. What is the flesh here is the Greek word soma, which means... Three things. The first one, own selfish ambition. The second one, our own failed egocentric desires. The third one, he said, what was the third one? The third one was the sin-denominated self. Three thoughts. It says you can walk in that way where you become a law unto yourself. That it is you that determine what happens in your life. And you determine what happens in your house, and you determine what happens in your company, and you determine where your life is going. But there is another walk where the predisposition is not focused on self, but the predisposition is focused on heaven and what God is saying. Then he says that the result is that they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. The construction is now interesting because he's saying now. In chapter 7, he talked about how we serve God with our mind. And he brings it back here now. And the reason why I'm going slowly is because there has been talk that the grace of God is sufficient. And that has given license to people to enter into a life of sin and death. In fact, the Greek writer here says that sin corrupts and death consumes That there are aspects of our lives where we are walking in the flesh and it's constantly consuming you and you feel like you are under siege and bounded by chains on every side. Because there's a drawing in by sin and death. Then he says, but for those, now he wants to show you the victory. For they that are after the flesh, this is not an exhortation, it's a description now. a description now. He says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, they do mind the things of the spirit. Three thoughts here. The first one, that the mind of the regenerate believer is always set on things that are above. God is saying that I want your mind to be in the penthouse. So that your life goes to the penthouse. I don't want your mind now to be in the trenches. Because where your mind is there, your life will follow. That in thinking about life this year, God is saying, Exalt your mind and set your mind on things that are above. That's an exhortation now. It is not something that, is, that happens to us. It is something that we do that the response of God sending his own son and Jesus Christ breaking the curse of the Lord, the response is setting your mind on things that are above. That is the first thing. But the second thing he says, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. Now, it cannot be the death of the body because later he will speak about putting the deeds of the flesh to death. The better word rendered here is to be carnally minded is to live a mortal life. A life that has a beginning and a definite end apart from God, he says. Because the things of the flesh says, but, the, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So your mind, the disposition of your mind must be one in things in heaven. But the second is that How we think is not a reflection of what we desire, but how we think is a reflection of who we are. That we think like that because we are like that. That when you examine your thoughts, you can decode your identity. And this is the difference between transformation, change of behavior, and regeneration. That when we come to Christ, there is a requirement for regeneration. And God is saying, observe your thoughts. Observe your thoughts. Then the third thing is, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God. The carnal mind does not regard the things of God. The carnal mind in verse chapter 6, he said, is not alert to the things of the spirit. The carnal mind does not regard the morality of the Christian life as something of importance. Have you ever found yourself at a place where you said every sin is confessable? Is that a word? Every sin is repentable. We will repent and God will forgive us. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enemy against God. God, this carnal mind does not perceive the promptings of the spirit. The carnal mind does not perceive. That is why it's very important to guard your mind. And to allow holiness to penetrate your thoughts. It's a call to holiness. One author said that the book of Romans, chapter 8, is about justification but also sanctification. Justification is the cause, sanctification is the effect, justification is the root, sanctification is the fruit. There has to be fruit, justification is the foundation. But a house must be built. Sanctification is the house. That the work of Jesus on the cross does not give us liberty to live a life without boundary and misdemeanor, but a life that is bridled. Oh, glory. And the sanctuary was very quiet. Very quiet. Very good. So for they that are in the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. Then said, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and. peace." now look at this, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And he was talking in the third person. Now he wants to talk to you. Now he says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And he brings us now to the basic doctrine of the spirit of God. That initially at salvation universally, all of us receive the spirit of God or the spirit of Christ. That when we get born again, God sent his spirit to us. That the spirit of Christ is already in our lives. One apostle said that it is the spirit of God that convicts men of sin. That for us to say yes to Jesus, it took the work of the spirit. And now here he says that... Those that are in the flesh and those that are, sorry, those that are in the spirit, and that if the spirit of God dwell in you, then and then he says, If you if not, if you have not, my good this KJV, I'm transitioning. Okay. I think KJV is not good for lower men, eh? Sure. Somebody get me an NIV Bible. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now look at verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead. Look, those are the things God is saying about you are dead. Now if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now the word dead here is a Greek word that means mortal. And that talks about the effect of the Adamic sin. That because of Adam's sin your body is mortal. But the spirit is life and quickens your body. Now verse 11 says but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you, not talking about the resurrection of our current body, but talking about the bestowment of a new body. But my focus is verse 12 now. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. Are you seeing that? That God did all that for you to do two things. He says, one, we are debtors. Not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live after the flesh, huh, ye shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Two thoughts. The first, he said that if you live after the Spirit, verse 13, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify, mortification becomes the first principle of sanctification. What is mortification? Mortification is putting to death the Greek word used there means taking a knife. It's the same word that is used for suicide. It is not being killed, it is not being being somebody being killed on behalf of another, but it is putting to death one self. He says that you must put to death the deeds of of the body. Remember, so Solomon was teaching in Proverbs chapter 6, I talked about how that when you sit before a king, you must put a knife on your neck and watch your appetites. The same word is used here. That the sanctification of the believer is squarely your responsibility. That God is saying, you must put to death. You must put to death a lying tongue. Amen. Amen. Yes, I know you heard me. You must put to death a lying tongue. Amen. You must put to death unfaithfulness. Amen. You must put to death sponsors DMs. That's why you have to delete Instagram. (laughs) Cancel Instagram. Yeah. You must put to death Everything that hinders the move of God in your life. He says, put to death the... hmm." Now, Jesus said something. Is it in Luke chapter 14? He says, let any man that desires to follow me, get that? Pick up what? His cross. Pick up his cross and follow after me daily. There is a death that leads to life. And there is a life that leads to death. He says when you live like this, this is true freedom. That put to death the deeds of the flesh. If any man desires to follow me, this man must pick up his cross daily and follow after me. Now, five things about the cross. Number one, it is completely embarrassing. Because nobody was crucified with their clothes on. I know you heard me. You see, when we come to church, we didn't come to a nail spa, and we're not, che- we not choosing the colors of the kind of nails we want, you know, or eyelashes spa, and now you want the size of the eyelashes. No, God came to fix our destiny. And Papa is saying today, let me stay here slowly. This is the message that reduces offering. Let me stay here. It says, put to death. Put to death. Praise the Lord. That's why when we call for a, for a prayer meeting next week, and we will call because this is our last week of fasting, you must come. I'll stand at the door there to count. Because we know you. You must put to death desires not to come for prayer. I know you heard me say, amen. Say, so put to death. So, mortification. So, the word of mortification is that it is killing oneself. It is killing the desires. It is not, I do what I want. It is, I do what God allows me to do. The second thing is the how of mortification, which is initiated by self, but accomplished through the power of the Spirit. I love God. Because he says, if you through the Spirit, that the agency of it is the Spirit, but the initiation of it is you. That when you say, I am now game, oh God, you and me, let's go. Let's put to death pornography. Then the spirit of God, aerodynamics comes and slaps gravity on the face. Because now you're on board. Praise the Lord. This year you will walk a righteous life. Say amen like you believe it. This year they will call you righteous. This year they will call you the man that hates sin. Oh, you don't like that? You want houses, eh? No, no houses. The only thing is righteousness. (laughs) A house can be taken by auctioneers. Righteousness can't. Hallelujah forever. (laughs) I love this message. This is what makes you a better husband. Amen. I don't know why you don't like those things. Are you, where, where am I suspecting you? So, And if Christ be in you. Now, he says we are debtors for two things. One, to live a life in the Spirit. We are now demanding that this, the fruit of the Spirit must be seen in your life. Because he says here, look, we are debtors. Two things. One, mortification, which we have dealt with. But the second one is this. To live in the Spirit. Now the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. against as such there is no law. These are here to love more. Amen. These are here to be more patient. these are here to be more faithful. These are here to be gentle. or oh, you don't like that message. It's a year to be gentle. Are you gentle? Some people break up just because of gentleness. Hallelujah. You know I had an argument. Yesterday, yesterday I had an argument. It was a hot argument. Everything was hot about the argument except the tone of voice. Because that the argument is hot does not mean you have to raise your voice or increase the acceleration of your words. I just saved many marriages right there. <laughs> the argument can be very hot, but the words don't have to be. You can be very disappointed, but your demeanor doesn't have to be. Appraisal, that is living in the Spirit. So that somebody can say, what manner of man is this? What kind of of person is this? He's the kind of person who lives in the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hmm. One more thought. For families and people who are married. Did you know that married people are the guys who, or people who are dating even? applies to them also. And then I'm coming to businessmen. Do you know that people who are married and people who are dating are the best prophets? Huh? Spirit of discernment is usually A1. <laughs> you can enter the house and just feel an environment. <laughs> you can just enter the house hmm, and say, okay, let me go, let me go, let me go wash the car. I need, I need to, let me go, let me, eh? can just enter a place and there is an environment. The environment is hot. That is not working in the spirit. The devil is a liar. This year your house will be a place of laughter and joy. You will not be a a warfare to your wives. I'm your pastor. God called me. This is what God called me for. If I'm not speaking, we'll speak it for you. You will not be a warfare to your husband. Hallelujah. Let me stay here. You'll be a good wife you'll be a good husband. Let me talk to businessmen also. Have you ever, have you ever been in a place where your your salary, 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 where your salary mshahara is late? But you can't ask the boss. When you look at the demeanor, <laughs> you're like, hey, wisdom is profitable to direct. Are you that kind of employer? Please repent today. <laughs> you enter a place and you know, hmm, my salary is late. But today is not the day. There is just a what? An environment. Now, Jesus says that we, we should be an aroma. There has to be an aroma about our lives. Gentleness. Praise the Lord. These are first principles gentleness. Amen. Self control. Patience. Long suffering. Somebody said that in the next three months, if you don't change, let's lie, let's rise upon our feet, and pray and go home. Father, we give you the praise. Before you manifest, in verse fourteen, you must behave. That was my sermon. That was the whole. Sermon. That was the. I said all those things to say this. Before you manifest, you must behave. That's it. That's actually all those things I said. Behave. That's all. That if you're going to enter into the plans of God, you're going to behave. God is saying that there is a life that you must live. Now I want you to lift up your voice like you believe these scriptures and say, God, teach me to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Teach me to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Come on, teach me to mortify the deeds of the flesh. There are things that we must put to death in this place. I know you know what I'm talking about. Just put it to death right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to break the neck of addiction right now in the name of Jesus. Every form of addiction is broken in this house. Every form of addiction is broken in this house. In the name of Jesus, you are living a sanctified life. You are taking the steps of God. Lift up your voice and ask God to strengthen you to live a life that will bring glory to his name. A life that is not after the flesh. A life that is not driven by your egocentric self. But a life that is driven by the spirit of God. A life that is driven by the word of God. That we are going to put to death every habit that does not glorify God in this house in the name of Jesus Lord, we lift up our hands. Somebody lift up your hands. Push with me just for one minute. Lord, we pray, oh God, today, let there be transformation in our house. In the name of Jesus, let there be transformation in our house. Lord, we pray that you shall cause us to be regenerated today. In the name of Jesus, let there be true transformation. I pray that our our words, our words, our words, the Spirit of God shall be an impress on our words. The Spirit of God will be an impress on our activity, on our behavior. In the name of Jesus, oh God, thank you for the grace to obey. That Lord, by justification, by justification, we have accessed even your grace to stand. Thank you because by sanctification, we are becoming more and more and being conformed to the image of God. In the name of Jesus, I want to make an altar call today. You are here and you are struggling with addictions. You are completely bound on every side. Make your way to the front. Make your way to the front. And then when I was preaching, God was speaking about somebody who has a back pain. There's a lower back pain in this house. God is saying your healing is in this house. Come to the front very quickly. When I was preaching also, God was showing me there's somebody who is, need, is in need of deliverance. And how you know is because you felt like you want to puke. When I was preaching, you just felt like you wanted to throw up. God is saying, come to the front. Your deliverance is in this house. Give me some anointing oil. Let's have some ministry in this place. Just lift up your voice and say, God, I'm mortifying, I'm mortifying, I'm mortifying. There has to be a change in my life. There has to be a change in my life. I cannot walk how I used to walk in 2021. There are addictions that must not follow me in this place In the name of Jesus, there are addictions that must not follow me in this year. I must enter now into the things that God has called me. There's an urgency to get into your purposes and to get into your place of calling in the name of Jesus. Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. Now, I want to take one, one more minute and just pray. Ask God to give you the anointing. That he shall release an anointing upon your life. An anointing to live right. An anointing that you shall indeed be as a city set on a hill. That the, the light of God will be upon your life. Now lift up your voice. Lift up your hand. Say, oh God, let your light be seen in my life. Let your light be seen in my family. In the name of Jesus, let your light be seen in my family. Pastor Doc, please minister to all people over here. Have some anointing oil. Please make sure you apply the anointing oil. Just lift up your voice and say, oh God, release the anointing upon me today. In the name of Jesus. If I mentioned your case, I'm not guessing. I know what God told me. Just come to the front. I talked about somebody with a back pain. I talked about somebody who was preaching and you just felt like puking. And you felt like you want to throw up. And then you have addiction. God is here. Pastor Julie, please come and assist us. God is in this place. Thank you for coming. God is in this place. God has called us for you. There has to be victory. We came to a house of power. The power of God is here to heal men, to deliver men. Pastor Lovey, please. Pastor Kevin, please come. Let's minister. Let's minister. Let's do ministry in this place in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can can we pray for something? There's a cry in this house that there's something... That has just been following your family. And it is always there every year. And when you look at every side, it is happening. We want to break it today. We are breaking that cycle. We are breaking that cycle now lift up your voice like you believe it and say oh God break every cycle in my family in the name of Jesus we want to break the cycle of diabetes today in the name of Jesus we want to break the cycle of of diabetes we want to break the cycle of cancer in the name of Jesus we are breaking the cycle of business failure and business closure in the name of Jesus we decree and declare as you said of your servant job you are surrounding every person in in this house even with an edge of fire an edge of fire like you surrounded your servant job on every side lord you said in your word has thou not made his house like an edge of fire on every side and don't you bless the work of his hands in the name of jesus We want to speak an edge of fire about you and an edge of fire about your house and an edge of fire about your family and an edge of fire about your business and an edge of fire about your talent. You will rise up. You must rise up. The giftings of God in your life this year, they must manifest in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that Father, you shall now raise even a grace to enter into our giftings in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. One of the things that God uses, just, 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 just relax completely. One of the things that God uses is, do you know one door can be opened and it buys back 10 years? One door can be opened and it buys back 10 years. I want us to pray that this year, God will open that door. That God will open a door in your career. God will open a door at the marketplace. That God will open a door that will begin to reverse what the kanker has eaten. That will begin to reverse that which the enemy has stolen. That will begin to reverse that which did not work. That all God you who opens doors for men, open it for us this year in the name of Jesus. Now lift up your hand like you believe it and just trust God for an open door in the name of Jesus. Lord, today we lift up our voices by faith. And we pray that in 2022, Lord, you are opening an effective door. You are opening an effective door for our talents in the name of Jesus. I pray that, Lord, the platforms that we must now access, you are opening them today in the name of Jesus. The favor that opens doors shall be upon you from today forward. In the name of Jesus, we want to pray for discovery. That, oh God, those that you have ordained for our lives will find us. In the name of Jesus, we want to pray, oh God, that, Lord, that which concerns us will happen unto us. In the name of Jesus, that as your servant Paul said, that a great and effectual door has been opened unto me. That, Lord, this year we will say that a great door has been opened unto me and we will enter inside. Now I want us to pray one more prayer, Point, that when the door opens you will have the strength uh, to get in that when then the, the water is stirred God will bring a man uh, to throw you into the pool that when the door will be open you will be found ready in the name of Jesus uh, just lift up your voice one more time come on somebody tarry with me tarry with me push somebody in this place um, Oh God I want us to pray right today Lord God uh, that you shall open opportunities for our children that will accelerate them 20 years uh, in the name of Jesus The Lord, you shall open opportunities for the businesses in this house that will accelerate us 20 years in the name of Jesus. The Lord, you shall open opportunities for the talents in this house that will accelerate us in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Jesus said, That you are a city set on a hill. A light that cannot be hid. That is your story this year. I said that is your story this year. I said that is your story this year. If you believe it, can I hear your loudest, amen? Come on, if I believe it, can I hear your loudest, amen? Clap those hands. Come on, is that how you clap for Jesus? Is that how you clap for Jesus, Rivers Church? Thank you for sticking in to the end. We hope you have blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.